What is the sword? It is a line. On one side of the line is life. The other, death. Steel. Is pure. And impure. And these together. There can be greatness. Yeah, man! Look at how it slices these tomatoes right after cutting a can! Welcome to Cord Killer's Reckoning. The world of entertainment is turned upside down, and we're just trying to find out how to watch what we want, where we want, whenever we want. I'm Tom Merritt. Where's good stuff, Brian? Oh, my God. I assume it's on the other side of this line? Explain this line to me, Bryce. That was a trailer for Blue Eye Samurai. Uh, the season is streaming on Netflix November 3rd. Um, it's from Michael Green, who wrote uh, on Logan and Blade Runner 2049, uh, as well as Amber Noizumi. It's set in 17th century Japan, and uh, it's not like a supernatural show necessarily it's about this woman mizu who uh, uh, uh becomes a samurai to get revenge on her father she's got blue eyes and in oh. that period you're looked as kind of an outsider if you have blue eyes yeah. so she's on revenge Demon. to find who her foreigner father is uh so that's coming mm. uh in about a week less than a week I'll tell you, you know who has blue eyes but is not a demon brian um well i know the first part the jury's out on the seconds. <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely not either one of us. Allison Sheridan from the Soulcast. Hello, hello, hello. And I don't even have blue eyes. I think they're green. I'm not sure. <laughs> Are they green? They're green, but the blue green. I can't tell the difference anymore. Uh, so, uh, uh, separate side story. Uh, my wife and I took very up close photos of our eyes, and we were shocked because she has spent her entire life describing her eyes as hazel. I have always described mine as moss green. We were unable to tell the difference between our eyes. Have <laughs> <laughs> we converged. Wow. Eyes <sighs> photographed close up are cool. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. That's one of the best parts of going to the eye doctor. Uh, well, without eyes, you can't watch TV. And if you want to watch TV, you're going to get have to get yourself a supply of good things to watch. That's why every week we go on a supply run. Supply run, supply run, supply run. Now, I tell you what, we go out on a supply run, we get a bunch of teen romances to watch, and the kids just complain. Here's what I'm talking about. A team at UCLA's Center for Scholars and Storytellers surveyed 1,500 people between the ages of 10 and 24, about 100 people in each age bracket. Uh, they asked those between ages 13 and 24 what they thought about sexy content, uh, you know, romancy, sexy TV shows and movies. And of those kids that they asked that question, 51.5% said they'd like to see more content depicting friendships and platonic relationships. Enough of the romancy schmancy, please. 47.5% reported that sex is not necessary to the majority of TV show and movie plots. 44.3% of youth felt that romance in media is overused. And 39% would like to see more depictions of aromantic 
and or asexual characters, Brian? Uh, I have uh, fairly nuanced and, and, and I would like to think uh, in-depth thoughts on this. So I'd, I'd actually like to hear from Allison first on this before I chime in. Well, I keep thinking of this one Steven Seagal movie I saw that to me was the perfect amount of romance I want in a movie. I forget what it was. It was some mining thing that blew up this whole mountain and everything. And at the very beginning, he's he's got his girlfriend and he shoves her into like a bathroom of a house and he closes the door and then the whole story plot goes along. Everything explodes, you know, shrapnel, people dying and everything. At the very end, he rips open the door. She comes running out. He hugs her and goes, pat, pat on her back and that's it and they part again and i was like that's how much romance i want in that, Wait, that was movie. that that was a roller coaster by the way because i was about to think that allison was into some advanced romance there for a second <laughs> when he shoves her into the bathroom <laughs> uh uh so so uh uh the jokey answer to this tom i think is just porn kids have porn nowadays um but but beyond that it's not just that they have um it's not just that younger people have access to explicit uh, uh, content. They also have uh, access to explicit descriptions of healthy sexual relationships. It's also that most of them are under assumed identities and it's a big deal if you get doxxed. So they have privacy in a way that was not possible 30, 40 years ago. They also uh, have honest speaking relationships where everybody stays in their rooms. And it is, um, and I have been in the room when uh, two out of my three children have like really bristled. You could tell that they were actively no longer enjoying whatever content we were watching because it was expressively uh, sensual or, or, or sexual. Now, on the flip side, in the before four times, before there was the internet, you, you had to try to appeal to many different demographics at once, which is why you had these screwball late 70s, early 80s comedies where Apropos of nothing, a woman would take their shirt off. And that is because they knew that 12 to 16 year old boys were going to be watching this. And this was their one moment to see a part of the body that they have never seen before or whatever. And with the availability of that nowadays, that only becomes awkward next to your parents. Whereas uh, when I was 12, I'd rather see it and be next to an adult just so I could at least see it than... <laughs> see it next to an adult then not see it at all and whereas i i believe that we live in an age of choice and of 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 higher privacy than ever and i think a run-on effect of that is uh plus also there's the whole zoomer generation uh, appears to be sexually developing slower than previous generations to it and so on well i, mean, I, I wanted though. to get to that second part there because uh i think you 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 included it at the end but i was wondering there are, there are a lot of folks who think that it's just sexual content in general that younger people are not interested in, whether it's on TV uh, or alone uh, on the Internet or anywhere, that it's just not something people are as interested in as they used to be. That That's pop psychology. I don't have anything to back that up, but I've, I've seen that premise put forward. So I have a question, though, from what you read. I haven't read the the study do we know this is any different than it would have been 20 years ago? We don't yes. know that it's changed. We just it, know what they're saying now. They might have always wanted more platonic relationships and, and less No, sex. no, they, they've been doing this study since 2001. So this is the lowest uh, 
response that they've had in a, in a long time. I've, I've been doing this study since 1987, and I can verify. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying the study itself has been asking people in this age range, you know, every year for for a while. So they're comparing it to previous years, and it's been going down or going up. Okay. Depending on okay. I didn't see that. Yeah. My hypothesis, Allison, is quite simply that uh, there are more alternatives to um, develop healthily in your teenage, uh, in your awkward teenage years. And then, and during that time nowadays of all the places to encounter things next to your parents or your friends or wherever is not in general where you would want to do it. That's an interesting theory. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that makes sense, right? It makes logical sense. But, uh, I think what we're finding is that this study, it brings up some questions that need further investigation, right? Is is what are the other viewing habits? Uh, and, you know, in a survey, you're less likely to get people to be honest about those necessarily. But is there a way to find out, you know, is Brian's premise true? Or is the other premise that uh, that this age group is is less interested in it? I, I would throw out another theory. This is just just a theory, is that we all grew up the three of us and um, to a lesser extent, Bryce, but, but, but definitely Bryce, the three did, of us. Are you just going to let him say that about you? <laughs> I'm going to no, let him finish. Different. I don't know what he's saying. Yes, Dad. <laughs> okay. Yeah, all right. yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we grew up in the wake of the sixties revolution or during the sixties revolution, pretty sure Bryce did, um, that, that was reacting against a more restrictive culture against a culture that had cracked down on movies in the twenties and, and was not, you know, not a lot, not allowing people on TV to even share the same bed, uh, such as in I love Lucy. Uh, and so I think we have an assumption that yes, uh, re removing those restrictions is, is good for society. That's, that's, we've been making progress in, in having a better handle and being more mature about things and being more open about sexual things. Uh, and that maybe the very youngest and, and, and much younger than, than Bryce, uh, are, have only grown up in a world where everything has been super permissive. And they're like, yeah, that's, that's a little too much. I can see where you might be going with that, Tom. Think about the statistics about alcoholism in different countries based on when the drinking age is. You know, we don't let anybody drink until they're 21 in theory, and uh, we have a lot of trouble with alcohol. But if you look at countries like France, it's like the drinking age, I think they said was five, unless you're at home, and then you can drink before five. Age, not PM. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I was thinking PM for a second. Thank maybe you. Maybe it's that rebellion. <laughs> if against you're five it. and drinking under before it's five, you might be French. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it's along those same lines, right? If, if yeah, you're yeah. under something real restrictive and then it gets let loose, then you react and want a lot of it or whatever. And then uh, now when it's like, well, it's easily available, well, okay, that's enough. Let, we could back off a little bit. Uh, uh, Bryce, I would, I, I would like very much to hear your perspective on this because yeah. uh, uh, you're I, younger. <laughs> Thank you. I, uh, I, 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 I see this. I feel like I am of this uh, of a similar stroke here. Like I uh, don't, I, I don't really get anything out of of. I don't know, cookie cutter romance subplots or, you know, the heroine who's just kind of around to be arm candy or the, or a prize or a damsel or anything. Like I, 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 feel, I see, I see stuff like that as like a sign of really, uh, really simple storytelling, really like maybe too simple or, um, 
uh, stereotypey cliche, predictable cliche. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, like, there are so many shows and series out there that really do try to do different things, try to move beyond just uh, action and a, and a romance subplot. And there's so much choice now that if you didn't need if you didn't need to be um, crammed down your throat all the time, um, then you may not choose to watch as much romance or, or, or what have you. I mean, I, 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 I'm a gay man and there's not exactly a lot of media out there for me. And a lot of what's out there is very cookie cutter. And, and so it's kind of a bummer to be like, I want, I would, I also, I would also like material made for me. And also I want it to be good. And I don't think those, yeah, that's yeah. too much to ask for. Well, so uh, uh, let me, let me throw this out there and, and apologies if this is too, you know, uh, Freudian for everyone, but, but like oh, no. uh, 1982 on uh, Showtime, they, they had uh, the adventures of Huckleberry Finn or Tom Sawyer or one of those or whatever. And there's a scene where they're depicting what I believe are, you know, uh, uh, early teenage uh, uh, boys swimming. And at that time in the 1800s, you were not putting on bathing suits. You were just jumping around naked. So I watched naked boys uh, uh, going around. And uh, uh, it mattered not one whit to me. Uh, uh, and it, it doesn't and, sound sexual. Uh, it doesn't. Yeah. That's correct. Right. Uh, uh, equally not sexual um, uh, was uh, when I was in my 18 to 22 year old period where we would go to my parents' house and we would all make jokes about like, you know, because, you know, we, we didn't want to go up and go get our bathing suits. We would, uh, as we put it, shed the yoke of textile oppression and just, you know, skinny dump, jump and jump into the lake or whatever. Um, also not sexual or whatever. I I wonder how any of that would read to this same crowd that doesn't want to see uh, sensual or sexual content in a, uh, 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 their, their, their fictional media. I, I wonder if, if it's been electrified and separated or something. I, just pure speculation on my, on my part. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I get the sense that there might be a little bit of everything we're saying. Uh, there's a little bit to Brian's argument that availability has meant that viewers are like, yeah, I don't need that in the Stranger Things story. Uh, I don't need that in this, you know, space adventure. Um, there's a, probably a little bit of I'm. It's so it's so available everywhere. I'm kind of overwhelmed and I don't want to deal with it. There does seem to be, for whatever reason, just a little bit of a lack of of interest uh, in certain, certainly in some cultures. Uh, in in sexual activity in general, uh, so you know it's probably not one size fits all, but a, a little bit of all of these theories that we're putting out there. I mean, Allison, I know you were saying in the chat that you loved uh, watching Love Boat as a as a teen, right? And right. Like you don't see that now. Like you don't see kids that are interested in that sort of thing. That sort of story is that's the Hallmark Channel. That's for the so older people. So maybe we don't really know which way this would go in these two. These are kind of two different topics. There's sexually explicit, there's uh, romance, and there's just having platonic. But I mean, I've always thought that the sweet spot was uh, a little bit of sexual tension, but it's platonic right now. But you're always hoping the romance will be there. That's the one that always gets me. I don't yeah. know what the kids like these days other than what it says in this uh, report. The other things in this report that that struck me as interesting, 56% of adolescents, and this includes the 10-year-olds, 10 to 24, prefer original content over franchises and remakes, and twice as many adolescents prefer binge releases to weekly drops. 
Uh, is that different than regular people? <laughs> I, oh, actually, I, I, I'll vouch for team uh, weekly drops. Maybe not week over week, single episodes, but 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 my favorite type of um, uh, a staggered release is kind of like what they're doing with Our Flag Means Death, where it's like there'll be three at the beginning, oh, I'm all, and then just a couple, and then you know maybe maybe we all hang around for one end finale at the end. Yeah, I'm also, um, I'm looking at what Scoopernova Girl said is that kids generally never liked the romance parts in the movies. Too boring. They want comedy and action. <laughs> and uh, So I wonder how much of that is like, yeah, we don't want the franchises. That's what our parents like. We want new stuff. We want different things. Maybe it's just what kids like, like you said, Allison. What do they mean by not franchises? So in other words, like Marvel uh, or Stranger Things or uh harry potter you know the, those sort so, of like hey we've got lots of things in the same shared universe right versus a story that is not part of anything else not a sequel to anything else etc the, qu the question that they asked the the teens was uh, uh hollywood has recently made a lot of content that's already made on an existing piece of media in addition to the usual original content what kind of content uh, do you like to see in TV shows and movies between original content, franchises, adapt adaptations, and remakes? Yeah, that's that, kind of a leading question. I, I, I was about to say the same thing. That might be just a little bit loaded because I, I think that that many many folks who are in an emerging artistic phase of their life, I mean, they already know what team they have to to declare their allegiance to. Yeah. And Daniel J. Newman is saying, I think some teens may have been untruthful in their answers. That's why you do 1,500 people. Um, people are generally less untruthful than you think on purpose, but there might be some subconscious things going on. It, so that, that is always a problem with self-reported studies, right? It's not, it's not entirely objective. But, Wait, but also teenagers like- Teenagers like, not saying the truth to, to adults doing a survey? I mean, yeah, they'll be more honest than you want to think. Uh, and, and if you have enough people in the survey, it should wash it out. But they also just may not be, it may not even be intentional. They, it just may be kind of an urge to, well, let me answer the way I want to be versus what I actually know is true. Or they may not even be self-aware, right? I certainly wasn't at that age. Well, I, I, will, I will vouch for, and this is just me telling on myself, but it's like, it really seems like 40 years ago, it was automatic that all kids lied to all adults at all times. And, and now I don't feel that nearly as, as much. Uh, Allison, does that track with you as well? Well, I haven't had a teenager around me in a long time, but 50% uh, on my children, one of them would tell me everything and one would tell me nothing, but I don't know whether either one of them were lying. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the dynamic with parents is different than the dynamic with a survey person with, you know, and I'm not saying it's one way or the other, but it's certainly a different dynamic. True. Uh, really, the only way to be sure, Brian, that you have an honest exchange of information with people is to ask them for money. Yeah. You know why? It's called honest money for a reason, Tom. What do people want? They want to go to bed at night having earned an honest $35 an episode. Now, no, we can't <laughs> all achieve that. We can't even achieve 
$13.50 of honest money per episode. But some of us can at least get $3.50 per episode by going to patreon.com slash cord killers. That's where you keep us loud, live, and independent as we increase our 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 our, our quest to bring you the very best of content that's out there in this crazy mixed up upside down world where we may have not saying we did it somebody killed the cords and we have two quests number one find the real killers number two watch whatever we want and bring you the best of it Indeed, indeed. It is through your support on Patreon uh, that we are able to go far and wide to find things to say here. This might be worth your time. Take a look. Uh, that's what we do in the search party. If you're going to wait to see Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon on Apple TV+, Plus, you don't really need this information. Uh, but if you're going to the theater to see it, because you just got to see Leonardo DiCaprio up there on the big screen, you respect Martin Scorsese and you want to see it on the big screen, uh, keep in mind, it's three hours and 26 minutes long. And a few theaters around the world, including one in Colorado, decided mm, probably people need a break midway through that. You know, Lawrence of Arabia gave you intermission. So did Dr. Zhivago. So they did it. They instituted an intermission in Killers of the Flower Moon. And the studio went after them. They said, no, 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 no. That's a violation of the agreement. You are not allowed to put an intermission. That is not the way we intended this movie to be shown. Uh, in fact, editor Thelma Schoonmaker objected to intermissions in the press. She said, no, that shouldn't be happening. Scorsese himself previously has said it's three hours, but come on. You can sit in front of the TV and watch something for five hours. There are many people who watch theater for three and a half hours. Those are real actors on stage. You can't get up and walk around. You give that respect. Give cinema some respect. Ryan, should should it be wrong for them to do an intermission in a movie? Uh, Tom, I got two flavors. You want Steel Man or Straw Man? Mm, let's steal. Let's steal this first. Okay, Steel Man would be... This is a slippery slope. This is, if you allow individual uh, displayers of stuff, what's to stop them from deciding that they're going to chop mm. it into five segments and they're going to yeah. have a local hilarious morning DJ give commentary in between each of these sections. They have to preserve the quality of the presentation. They drew a hard line and we just got out of a strike. We really don't need people messing with that right now. Yeah. All right. Um, Allison, are you on the steel man side or would you like to hear Brian's straw man? <laughs> I just, my favorite or least favorite word in the world is should. You should sit there and do this. You should do that. Well, you know what? I can't sit still for three hours and 20 minutes. It's on my nerves that movies are over two hours. But we, we stop and play and stop and play 18 times during a two-hour movie at home. So there's no way I'd sit there for three hours and 26 minutes. In fact, I would see that and I would say, I'm totally not going to the theater at all. Ah, I would, you know what? Maybe watch Dead it. Here's the chat room it, it, is saying, I was an usher in performing arts. We had intermissions for, for the live actor thing. So, Allison, yeah. here's the beauty of the word should. It cuts both ways because just like I, I agree with you, don't tell me Martin Scorsese what I should or how I should enjoy your show. However, you get to use the word should to say, oh, I'm sorry, I should be able to go pee and not have to hold my bladder for three and a half hours. I should. And I can. <laughs> and I can. 
because I can wait until it comes on Apple TV+. Plus. Wait, wait, baby, you're not going to sit there and hold it for three and a half hours. No, no, I'm saying I can make that choice to pause yes, that's and right. go You do have the choice back. in this case. You could wait for it to come right. to Apple TV. Well, and 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 this is the, uh, the, the other side of the argument is, uh, look, Gandhi had an intermission. Anything longer, like... Uh, they they were planned breaks and they're sensible because they create a more pleasant experience. It's yeah. stupid to expect everybody to superhumanly, you know, purge their bowels and meditate and watch with all fullness your presentation of whatever your story is. That's dumb. I, I do respect Martin Scorsese. I don't know the man, uh, but I've seen much of his work. He's very good. Uh, I respect his impulse to get people to come to the theater, that, that that's what he fell in love with. That's what he makes his movies for is to be seen on the big screen with the full sound and people around you. I respect all of that, but there is a fine tradition going back centuries of giving people a break to get up and stretch their legs and take a pre and I don't think when you're trying to convince people to come back to the theater, when you're trying to say this is a better experience, trust me, you're going to love it, that you should then berate them and say, and no, you don't get to have a pee break because I said so. Like, like you're working in your, against your own best interest there, I feel like. Now, I know what he needs to do. He needs to work with these theaters, not, not change any of the rules, but just tell them they're not allowed to sell any food or drink. Right, because then you won't have to get up to pee. <laughs> yeah, and then the theaters go broke. Yeah, that's a great. Uh, Allison, no place to just Scorsese. Here's what you should do. <laughs> oh, demand the word these. should on purpose. <laughs> All right, let's go to another auteur. David Fincher uh, told the Guardian that he has considered making a sequel to The Social Network. Uh, if you recall, that was a movie about Mark Zuckerberg and the founding of Facebook. Uh, Fincher said, Aaron, meaning Aaron Sorkin, who wrote the Social Network screenplay, Aaron and I have talked about it, but um, that's a can of worms. Uh, <laughs> in fact, Sorkin has remarked on this before. Deadline pointed out that Sorkin said in, in an interview in 2021, I think what has been going on with Facebook these last few years is a story very much worth telling. And there is a way to tell it as a follow up to the social network. And that's as much as I know. Uh, so it sounds like Sorkin is ready to write it. But Fincher is unsure whether this is a good time or not. Allison. I'll tell you what the problem is. They don't know how it's going to end yet. That's right. I feel like you're right. Yeah. They're well, like, I mean, let's I, just wait and see if it falls apart or not. Uh, oh, man. I, I, I always leave room for a redemption story because otherwise it's like, okay, I got a great pitch. It's called The Empire Strikes Back. Everything's terrible for the rebellion. Everything's getting destroyed. Uh, how does it end? Don't know yet. Still being attacked by the Empire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, mean, I guess way. There, we don't are, know. there are some places where you could end it as a, you know, a sort of like, it was just Facebook and then Zuckerberg decided to start buying other companies and buying Instagram. Maybe, you know, the acquisition of Instagram becomes the end of the movie when he decides, yes, I'm going to make it a big empire instead of keeping it as a small success. Uh, but I don't know if that's as compelling because that's not what people want to see. They, we they, they want to see the antitrust <laughs> lawsuits and, and getting sued by the EU and Cambridge Analytica and all oh, that stuff. That's, right? that's interesting because, I, I, well, some of the things you said, I think, are in line with what I was thinking. Like, it feels like we're near the end of the second act. We are at the lowest 
Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, more people have a more dour opinion of social networks writ large. Like everybody agrees they're cigarettes now. <laughs> I'm very curious what the third act redemption arc is for, for the yeah. social media writ large. Maybe that's the difference. Maybe Sorkin is saying, I want to tell the story of Facebook from the end of the social network to the 2016 election, when suddenly everyone started turning against social networks and blaming them for all the problems, right? Which is kind of the, the watermark for that attitude change. And Fincher may be like, yeah, but we're going to need a third film to follow it up if we're going to make that work and don't i don't put know an that intermission between yet. them yeah no intermission <laughs> well, this is fincher not scorsese if they get scorsese for the third one then yeah it's going to be five hours long with no intermission but but there is something to the weird parallels and and yes you could just dunk on zuckerberg if you want to make it a dual two movie thing you could say that you know he, his head got too big and he you know, screwed mm -hmm. up oculus or what have you but um if you wanted to make it a three-act thing then it would be there's strange and, and mysterious parallels, like how proud was social media in general for their role in the Arab Spring? How right. not happy with themselves were they in their role with January 6th? What's the third act at this point? Mm -hmm. it's, mm -hmm. I, I think quite simply, they're like, yeah, we know we have a, a, a story of these times. We just have to wait for it to play out to know how to write it. <laughs> And you and calling it the social network is kind of interesting. If it was the social network part two, would you wonder, is this going to be about the demise of Twitter? What is what is the subject of that? Yeah, I like it. First up, the first movie is called The Social Network. Second movie is called A Social Network. <laughs> the third and one the, is called The Social Network Rides Again. <laughs> Return Armageddon. of the social network. Uh, all right. Uh, send us your, your plot treatments and we'll forward them to David Fincher, uh, cordkillers at gmail.com. The Doctor Who 60th anniversary specials have a date. Uh, these are the ones that will star David Tennant reprising his role as the Doctor, and they will begin November 25th. There are three special episodes before Nkuti Gatwa takes over as the Doctor next year. The Star Beast premieres November 25th. Wild Blue Yonder comes out December 2nd, and The Giggle premieres December 9th. If you're in the UK, watch them on BBC. Elsewhere, watch them on Disney+. Plus. Tom, will you be okay Brian. if I just wait for you to tell me whether or not I should watch these? Yeah, sure. No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to provide that service for you. Okay. Allison, Don't worry, you the Dr. internet Who will fan? clearly answer that for you yeah, that <laughs> with too. a definitive opinion. <laughs> uh, do, do, do you ride with the doctor, Allison? So it, we're not very good Doctor Who fans. We watched a few episodes uh, uh, when it was um, uh, David Tennant and loved him, but then never really got into it. And then we watched all of the Jodie Whittaker ones and loved it. So mm -hmm. now we look back at like, oh, man, yeah, our favorite was David Tennant, even though we only saw like maybe six of them. So well, we'll definitely watch it. Sounds like fun. Yeah, this this is meant to bring you back, right? Well, even though you you did watch Jodie Whittaker, so you're not really gone. But this is meant to say, hey, we know a lot of you loved when Russell T. Davies was in charge and David Tennant was the doctor. Well, we've put Russell back in charge. Uh, but instead of just giving you a brand new doctor, how about we bring David Tennant back for a few episodes just to ease you back in before we give you a new doctor? Um, so, yeah, I'll be watching these three, too. I'm actually really excited. David Tennant was amazing. I loved him as the doctor. Uh, and I know there's going to be a lot of fun little Easter eggs for fans of that era 
of the Doctor Who reboot, probably a bunch of Easter eggs for the original Doctor Who as well, because Russell T. Davies is a huge fan of that. They got Chris Chibnall and Stephen Moffat to help Russell promote this. There, I don't know if you've seen, there's some sit-down chats called The Three Producers, where they all three talk about their various perspectives uh, on producing Doctor Who. So if, if you're a Doctor Who fan, I, I think you're going to have a blast uh, with these and the documentary that's coming out and all the other all the other uh, content around all of this. Uh, FX released a trailer for season five of Fargo starring Juno Temple. If that name rings a bell, she played uh, a character in Ted Lasso. Keely! Uh, and John Hamm, if that name rings a bell, he played a character in The Mad Men show. Uh, it's set in Minnesota and North Dakota 2019. So we're kind of back to near present uh, and premieres on FX and Hulu November 21st. Tom, I, I must admit, I took a moment to consider whether or not I even wanted to watch the trailer, but I realized that they're probably going to be judicious and just give us a flavor and a context and a location and not actually spoil any plots because so far this TV show is batting 1000 for me. I have never experienced a bad season of Fargo. I cannot wait to discuss it in more great detail. Uh, it's excellent. I was afraid to ever start Fargo. Yeah, I love the movie and I never watched any of the TV show because I was afraid it would oh. be sort of like, I really liked Saw 1, but I didn't want more Saw. Yeah, no, this is definitely not that. Uh, imagine, I can't do a Saw metaphor for this, but but basically take what you loved about Fargo and then put it, make a TV show that elicits that without trying to replicate it. But none of the actors. None of the actors. I mean, like None of the characters. It's not trying to be the movie. It's just like, you know what? I bet some other crazy stuff happens in the same location. Let's let's explore hmm. what other people have done in Fargo. Maybe we should give it a try. It's way, right? it's way, way good. And I think you can watch any of the seasons in any yeah, order true. you want because oh. they, they skip decades. Uh, like imagine it's 1970s Saw. <laughs> it's <laughs> 2001 Saw and the Crystal Method is playing in the background. It's, yeah. you know, there was 2019 a Saw. Ver version of the story. And the TV show stories do tie cl closer to each other, but they're not even directly connected, right? It's just more so maybe like, yeah. So maybe we could pick it up with Juno Temple and, and uh, is it Mark Ham? Mark uh, Ham, yes. Uh, ham, 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 ham. John. John? John, John Ham. Don, Don Ham. I think it's Don Ham. Beyond Ham. Uh, Don John Ham. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think you could. Actually, that'd be interesting if you would do that and report back. Like, you watch this and if you like it, do you go back and then watch the earlier seasons and how do those play out? That'd be interesting. Maybe. Well, uh, the actor's strike has not been settled. I'm, I'm checking my phone for notifications. No, it has not been settled as we are recording this. Uh, who knows? It may have been resolved by the time you hear this, but our job is to keep you up to date on the effects, and there are definitely effects. So here are a few dates that have been changed for movies. Disney delayed the live-action version of Snow White. It has moved from March 2024 to March 21st, 2025. Uh, Sci-fi animation Elio also got pushed off from March 2024 to June 13th, 2025. And Disney removed Magazine Dreams from its calendar. That was supposed to premiere December 8th. I think that's less to do with the strike and more to do with the fact that it stars Jonathan Majors, who is currently accused of assault and aggravated harassment. Uh, Majors has pleaded not guilty. 
Warner Brothers moved Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom two days from December 20th to December 22nd. They took it from a Wednesday premiere to a Friday premiere. Uh, And Wise Guys, starring Robert De Niro, has been renamed Alto Knights. makes it sound like it's a saxophone group uh and moved from <laughs> november 2024 to february 2nd 2024 so they actually took that one and moved it earlier ah, i remember those days it was a it was trombone days and alto nights <laughs> every day of the week uh it, yeah yeah it's uh it's my high school band story starring robert de niro um i i don't know if any of us were planning on seeing any of these uh but we do like to keep you up to date on on the movies moving around the disney stuff seems like it might be actor strike related the the warner brothers stuff not so much huh I, 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 real quick and and sorry to put you on the spot tom uh, do, do you happen to recall what the is the actor strike pretty much about the same stuff that the writer strike was about or i mean yes broadly speaking yeah. it is about uh you know what are the royalties what are our rates uh Streaming some things about ai that you know are are probably not as important as they're wanting to make them but they're using them as a wedge issue etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, lifetime likeness rights all that stuff. yeah yeah yep. exactly stuff like that which actually you know now i say that i think with the writer strike it was maybe a little exaggerated but the actor strike there's some some real likeness you know rights that aren't obvious that they'd probably like to get down on paper which i think are worth putting down on paper if you're an actor for sure uh finally allison you have been playing with a cool new app that uses the movie database, uh, TMDB, uh, but you don't have to use their app. You're you're using the data from the movie da- database. It's called Call Sheet. Tell us about it. Yeah, so um, I've never heard it abbreviated like that, by the way, themoviedb.org, uh, to be careful on that. So Call Sheet was written by Casey Liss, who you may have heard of from the Accidental Tech Podcast. And the goal he set out to achieve was like IMDb, only not horribly crapped up with ads. And um, he has achieved his goal. So this is an app that is really fast. It's written from the ground up for iOS and iPadOS, and it's um, there's no ads. So I think the, uh, let's see, the, the cost is $9 a year or a dollar a month. You can get 20 free searches to try it out if you want. It's got a really clean interface. You can search for, uh, you know, people and movies and TVs and directors and actors and all that. Uh, when you tap on a person, you get a great p- big picture of them. Like I was trying to remember who Jonathan Major was. So I just tapped on Jonathan Major and I saw him in the app. And uh, it's just, it's super clean. It's super quick. Um, it also allows you to do, you can look into things like trivia. It's got a section, you can jump into the Wikipedia page for it. You can go um, look at the website. You can see where to watch. So I use it when I want to figure out, and it takes that from, what's the website called? Wheretowatch.com? Uh, uh, just Watch. Just Watch. Just yeah. Watch. Yeah, it gets the, that data from Just Watch. Um, it's not always quite as good as the data I've gotten out of IMDb, but I can't stand IMDb anymore. I mean, it just yeah. really really upsets me when I look it up and 98% of the page I'm looking at is covered with garbage that I don't want to see. And so, um, anyway, I am a, I'm a huge fan. Uh, oh, it supports family sharing. I don't think it's on Android. Um, but it did let me know about, uh, the moviedb.org, which allows me to now when I'm on my Mac, I can go look stuff up. Not as good as in call sheet, but the, he doesn't have a Mac app yet. So I love uh, okay. it so much. It's on my homepage. And I mean my home homepage. 
because I use it all the time because I can never remember like, who is that guy? Didn't I see that? Oh, you can also pin uh, shows. Like if you're watching in a series, you can pin it at the top. And that way, whenever you want to look somebody up on something you've been watching, you it's can up find it. So, so, so uh, easy. That's Allison, cool. uh, uh, you did something that I, I, I find myself doing when I get really excited about a particular uh, app or property or structure is I just want to list all of the cool things. Uh, but if you wanted to reduce that to one unmet need that everybody hearing your voice they don't even know that they need this. What is the one thing that, that this fulfills? Look stuff up about movies and TV without crapped up ads. Perfect. Yeah. That is the Again, elevator speech. If you're confused, IMDB is the internet movie database. And that's the one Amazon owns. And it's the one that Allison was describing as crapped up with ads. Which used to be great. DMDB is the no. movie database, themoviedb.org. And it is uh, kind of an open platform that is not crapped up with ads. Right. It's, it's, Although technically it's, IMDB is also an open platform because anybody can contribute to it. It's, it's so interesting because we're entering a phase where it's like, who owns facts? Like there is yeah. a fact of how much money a movie made or a fact of what its mm -hmm. average reviews are and so on. And there's some precedent law with fantasy sports on that where the courts said, yeah, you can't copyright the facts. You can copyright the likenesses, mm. you can copyright your logos, but the fact that such and such batter hit 10 balls out of 300 and that makes him a 100 hitter or whatever, that's, is, I don't think I did the math right there, but 100 out of 300 uh, makes him a 333 hitter, uh, then yeah, that's a fact. You, you, you can't stop people from using stuff like that. I'd be interested to see that applied more, more broadly here. All right, well, we all like to watch stuff and then share the gems that's why we call this segment buried treasure most people want to know why they suddenly got rich buried treasure allison uh i'm i'm gonna people are gonna think i'm i'm, I'm stealing your thunder here i know you want to talk about barbie but what's interesting is not just that you watched it and what you thought of it but how you were able to watch it why tom I bought the Ultra HD 4K version of the movie at like a store. I bought it at Best Buy. Physical Wait a media. minute. <laughs> Didn't we just do a story on this stuff? They, they're they selling them till the end of the year. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, I was well, sad you to hear can. about that. Allison walked in and bought it off the shelf. Yeah. We're, we're really, we really like having the physical media for the audio and video quality combined. We, we really like having the, full res de uh, version of it. Uh, Steve also rips everything to Plex, so we have it available later and that sort of thing. Um, a, a few interesting things about ripping it to Plex. This was the first time I'd bought an Ultra HD movie that didn't also come with a DVD copy. So mm -hmm. he was unable to rip it originally with his uh, Blu-ray uh, burner or reader. And so he found this guy on the Make MKV forums who buys... Um, Blu-ray or Ultra HD players and flashes them so that they work with Apple Silicon and will allow you to rip movies with them. And uh, the guy are charges like 20 bucks and he buys one of the one of the ones that he knows works really well and he ships it to you. And so like in less than 48 hours, he had Steve had one and we were able to put this on our Plex server. So that was pretty cool. The other thing I do with uh, the physical media is I normally import them into um, something called DVDpedia, which is an application for the Mac that's been around for, I, I'm thinking 20 years. I mean, it's it's old. It's been around a long time. And I went to download it to my newly refreshed Mac only to find out that the guy just abandoned the project. 
So now I'm in the process of exporting all the data from that into a CSV file, and I'm importing it into another database program I'm wild about called Under My Roof, which lets you inventory everything in your house. And um, one of the reasons I do this is because we have so many of these DVDs. I think it's 375. That's a fair amount of money if the house burns down, right? I'd like to have yeah, that right. for insurance, insurance purposes. Yeah, oh, that's the, a good point. Um, uh, I, I guess I'll confess to, I, 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 okay. hypothetically, imagine a 20 years younger version of me who was obsessed with ripping every single CD that he ever had. And then imagine that like a brick of CDs, oh, about the size of a cinder block, burned down in a warehouse fire where hypothetically this person was married to an artist and everything burned down. Um, hypothetically, this person had insurance and collected thousands of dollars of insurance on the lost media and yet retained the MP3 copies. Hypothetically, where are we at on the ethics of that? Well, one of the things that I learned when we had all of our jewelry stolen uh, many years ago by TWA was the insurance company. I said, okay, here's all my receipts for the jewelry we lost. And the guy said, yeah, that's really cute. Show me pictures of you with it. That was something really important. So one of the things we do in Under My Roof in particular is we take pictures of stuff. Here I am with my new iPhone 15 in the box and it, we just take these dorky pictures, but those are all stored in there in Under My Roof. And now we can do that with the DVDs as well. Um, you know, I do still have the Plex version. That's on a movie drive that's connected my Synology. And a lot of my Synology stuff is backed up, but I'm pretty sure that movie drive is not because I figure that's reproducible. And so I think it would burn down with the house. So I would have lost both. So my ethics are fine. I, I think it is entirely ethical to claim the loss of your hard backups because it is good backup procedure to have three copies of everything. One remotely digitally, uh, one locally digitally, and in this case, one physically locally. And you've lost one of your backups. Not only that, but you've lost the legal basis for your backup. Oh, good point. You, and I guess, you I guess can I'm now no longer prove that you ripped this fair use because you don't have the original to show. Like, yes, I'm just making a backup of the one I own. So I think it's entirely ethical to say, well, yes, I do have copies of these, but I lost the originals and I need to replace those. Would, would, would I be right also, Tom, in that legally it would be against the law for me to sell a duplication and an MP3 backup of any of those tracks? Uh, while it would have been totally legal to sell the used copy of the CDs, so I had Correct. material loss of the yeah. actual physical media. That's right. You've lost value because it was illegal for you on, on, on right of first sale to sell the authorized copy of the CD, but it would be illegal for you to generate your own copies because those are not authorized copies. Well, I'm going to take a hypothetical deep breath of relief right now, <laughs> knowing that <laughs> hypothetically that was a good thing to do. Now, I know no, people I, I, who have ripped a, a DVD or, a, or probably more likely a CD and then saved the MP3 file and sold that for sale copy. And yeah. no matter what, that smells really bad. That is actually unethical. You should then delete unethical. your MP3s because you no longer own the right. original copy that you're having a backup of. Um, I want to go back to that drive that, that you buy from a third party. He modifies it somehow? Is that Yeah, he flashes, flashes it in some way. I don't have the details with me right now, but... Uh, I'm curious what that involves because depending on how he does it, depending 
Depends on whether that could cause a problem or not, right? Oh, because he may be doing a reverse DMCA Well, if he's copy. circumventing copyright protection in any way to do it, then that would cause a DMCA problem. But there are plenty of re ways that he might not. He may just be taking software that isn't on there, but he knows works on that hardware and just putting it on there, in which case he This fine. is the sound of three people who desperately want to have a three-hour conversation about precedent law going all the way back to the mp3.com case, <laughs> but instead are going to keep the show moving forward. No, no, no. No, Brian, where I was going with that is if you want to do what Allison's doing, you probably want to make sure that you're not, you know, that, that you're not getting into hot water or, and I wouldn't want Allison, but, the person that Allison's buying it from to get in. But yeah, here's a, here's a question. Would I be, or would he be? <laughs> he would be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're probably, I don't think you're it probably. was putting software on it. Cause it sounded like it was, I mean, flashing it. Well, I suppose it's firmware at, at the firmware level. Yeah. That's, that's software. Firmware is software. So yeah. Mm. From where's All right, Brian, Harvard. what have you been watching? Uh, uh, we'll talk about Rick and Morty in uh, after talk later on. But uh, the uh, uh, I got my daughter to watch Little Shop of Horrors, and she was into it. And much to the chagrin of my wife, who doesn't like musicals, we've been singing all the songs and playing them nonstop. Uh, it was directed by Frank Oz, and I'll I'll tell you what, man watching the puppetry of, of Audrey too, I still don't know how many of the tricks were done. I don't know how the lip syncing was done. It's incredible. It's, it holds up. It's very worthy. Uh, it, it's great. Plus Rick Moranis is a national treasure who I want to see more of. Come, please come back, Rick. But do you have it on Blu-ray? Uh, if, 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 uh, what are you a cop? <laughs> According to uh, call sheet, this was uh, December nineteenth, nineteen eighty-six, has a rating of PG thirteen and a score of sixty-nine percent. Oh, very nice. Uh, I got a Great couple move. of things I want to mention. Uh, one is uh, streaming the World Series. Uh, streaming the World Series, uh, kind of interesting because in the Championship Series in baseball, the National League Championship is on TBS. The American League is on Fox. I could watch the National League Championship on HBO Max, a.k.a. Max. Uh, for the American League Championship, I had to use DirecTV Stream because it's only available through Fox and Fox doesn't have a streaming platform that you can subscribe to directly. Same for the World Series. Got to watch it on uh, DirecTV Stream. I could, you know, or I could use YouTube TV or Hulu Live or, or one of those, but I have to have a cable replacement uh, in order to watch the World Series. I feel like that is increasingly feeling antiquated in this day and age, that, that you don't have another option for that. Um, I also wanted to follow up on Duna, which I, I was watching on Netflix, and I mentioned earlier on Cord Killers. It's the story about uh, a singer who quits singing uh, and is living in the, the basement apartment of this place. And a guy who's a college student moves in and, and doesn't really know who she is. And, and they have this interesting interaction because she's famous, but she's also trying to hide. She thinks he's a fan, but he's not. Uh, I loved the first half of this TV show because it was subverting my expectations constantly. It was always showing me like, ah, this isn't a simple love story. This isn't even a simple love triangle. Uh, this is a really interesting story about human relationships and what is friendship and what is fame and how do they intersect. Uh, and then towards the end, the last couple episodes, I felt like, oh, it's getting a little too simple. It's getting it's getting a little too obvious. And 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 maybe this isn't as complex as as they led me to believe. 
and then the ending won me back a hundred percent, hundred thousand percent. I love the way it ended. So uh, if any of that sounds intriguing to you, uh, catch it on Netflix. It's called Duna, D-O-O-N-A. But would right, children we be on like the lookout it? for? Oh, sorry, Allison. Yes, go but ahead. But would children like the romance of that time? No, no. The a, the uh, 13 to 24-year-olds will hate it. Don't watch it if you're one of them. All right. Bryce, why don't you be on the lookout? <laughs> hey, we got an email from John. John writes, howdy. Thank you guys for the great show. On Saturday, I had a great experience that I thought other people might find interesting. I went to my local theater and saw the Metropolitan Opera Live in HD. The opera that I saw was Dead Man Walking. It was fantastic. The experience was different than going to the Lincoln Center. The atmosphere and sound were not as all engulfing, but there were close-ups and backstage interviews. Uh, they also have uh, recorded versions available on their website, metopera.org, for a price. Thank you, John. Uh, that's cool. I, I have seen like the Fathom event ads for these. I didn't realize these are all totally live, uh, direct from the Met. Sometimes, I guess, they have a rerun. But um, that that in itself is, is really great. I mean, we've been talking about the concert movies between Taylor Swift and Beyonce the past couple of weeks. Um, this is very much in that same line. Uh, and they do have a streamer. Uh, it's $15 a month. Uh, or you can get a reduced price if you are an annual member of the Met. Um, but they've got a bunch of pre-recorded uh, productions that you can stream uh, already. So thank you, John. If you've got something we should be on the lookout for, please email it to us. That email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. Thank you. Brian, do you know that computers are technology? What? I've heard this rumor, and I want to settle some, you know, mm -hmm. misinformation they're not Listen. just technology. They're the best technology. And the best of the best comes from our friends over at doghousesystems.com slash rogue. Spell it right. R-O-G-U-E. They'll give you an SSD drive when you buy one. You'll be keeping us in business because all of our equipment is loaned by them. Thank you, Doghouse Systems. All right. So you knew that one. Do you know all of the ins and outs and implications and legal justifications for President Biden's AI regulations? Uh, if I did, what's something I might say to you? You might say, of course, Tom, I do know that because I subscribe to your newsletter at techtom.substack.com. That's right. Every day of the week, Monday through Friday, uh, you will get a breakdown of what I consider the most important tech stories of the day, a little bit of the facts that are important to understand them, and my opinions on them. These are things sometimes that don't even make it into Daily Tech News Show that I'm like, keep an eye on this. This is an interesting trend. Not a lot to talk about here yet, but you're going to feel smarter if you know about it. Uh, it is a subscription newsletter. It's free on Thursdays. If you just want to try it out, you can you can try it out for free. Uh, and if you like it, uh, you can pay to subscribe and get it every day in your inbox. That is techtom.substack.com. I love that we get like a peek inside your brain. It's incredible. It is. Like it is literally the first thing I do in the morning is like brain dump. Like here are the stories that are catching my eye. Boom. There you go. All right. There's a lot of stuff out there, so we better start scanning the horizon. Send a scanning to avoid. Apple has finally followed the trend of other streaming services, eggs and gasoline, and raised its prices. Uh, Apple TV Plus service in the U.S. rises from $6.99 a month to $9.99 a month. Uh, Apple also raised the price of Apple News, Apple Arcade, Apple One. Uh, news subscribers pay the new rate now. Existing subscribers will see the price increase sometime in the next 30 days, whenever their renewal date is. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, 
it's it's done now. Uh, inflation has come for everyone, Brian. <laughs> well, uh, uh, I wonder how soon the inflation of difficulty of disengaging with the service is going to come for us, right? Right now, I feel like Apple's mm. pretty good about like you could just scroll down and be like, most of them are pretty good. Yeah, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. Uh, but 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 soon it'll come for all of us. Elson I think where they've has... got you on Apple is is with Apple One, where you've got um, you. Know, your home kit secure video and you've got your gaming and you've got your your tv and you've got you've got all this stuff bundled together all of a sudden you have to start looking more closely at what to give up but the, a lot of this bothers me that these these were pretty steep price hikes the one that doesn't bother me is the apple tv one because when they first came out with apple tv plus we all said wow there's hardly anything on here but at least it's cheap and now it's a serious contender i mean it is in a different a different league than it was when it was first introduced I mean, it was so cheap, it was free for a little bit there. If you bought a device, yeah, they gave you a year for free a lot of times. And you could still get it uh, paid for through carriers. I don't think this price increase hits you if you're having Verizon or T-Mobile or somebody uh, pay for it. At least for now, we'll see how long they, they continue to do that. Bloomberg's Mark Gurman says that Apple plans to redesign its Apple TV app as part of a tvOS update in December. The new Apple TV app will add a left side navigation for video categories and become the sole home for all of your video re rented, purchased, or streamed uh, content of all varieties. The separate movies and TV shows apps on tvOS will be removed as will video sections on other mobile apps. This, this sounds to me like a hooray, here's a thing. But but there's a deeper story behind the scenes is what it sounds like. I, it's kind of like a cleanup. Uh, I, I forgot that at TVOS still had the separate movie and TV show apps. Allison, did you did you still use those? Yeah, I find that real confusing, especially when I go to my desktop or to my, on my iPad to try to watch something. Watching it on the Apple TV, it seems fairly obvious because it's kind of at the top and you don't notice the other uh, leftover vestigial pieces uh -huh. that are around. Um, I do still find it really interesting that when I do watch shows through Apple TV, then I don't know where they are. And I still wonder why the, uh, you know, the, the people who produce these things think that's okay. Like we're rewatching Family Ties right now from the 1990s. And we have no idea where the show actually is. And accidentally, once in a while, we'll find it like wherever it is, HBO Max, let's say, and we'll uh -huh. find it in there and it doesn't know where we are and we're really confused. We're like, oh yeah, we're not supposed to know where it is. Because it's in multiple places. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Spectrum Sportsnet is a channel only available on either cable TV or direct TV stream in the Los Angeles area. Uh, it's also available in parts of Nevada and Hawaii. It's the channel that carries the Los Angeles Lakers basketball games. So... DirecTV Stream is kind of your only option if you don't want to get cable and you want to watch the Lakers. That just changed in an interesting way. You can now subscribe to the Lakers games through something they're calling Spectrum Sportsnet Plus, but that service is only available in the NBA's app or at NBA.com. Unbelievable. So no, 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 no. I feel like we can add even more Sportsnet letters and symbols. Hold on, hold on. Everybody, everybody just relax. Let's get the rest of the facts out here. It's called Spectrum Sportsnet Plus, but it's being operated by the NBA. Uh, it costs $20 a month or $180 for the season. And the NBA is managing the access, not Charter, which owns Spectrum Sportsnet. Okay, go ahead. 
I, I mean, I, I think you got our 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 our, our oh my! Yeah. <laughs> like that's really all we had. <laughs> I'm looking this up. So the NBA app, could you put the NBA app, say, on your Apple TV and get to this now, where you didn't used to be able to if, if you didn't you have direct said TV? Roku or Fire TV or Android TV or Xbox or PlayStation, I could say yes but not Apple TV for whatever reason. It's probably one of those things where it's going to come soon enough. But It might have AirPlay because it does have iPhone. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does have AirPlay because they do have iPhone and iPad. That's a really good point, uh, Bryce. Uh, But yeah, this is meant to be like, yes, watch it on your TV. Uh, You don't have to pay for cable. It's just the Lakers. It's nothing else, but it's $20 a month just for the Lakers. I mean, that's... I mean, I mean, the part that makes me angry enough is if it was my team, air quotes right here, uh, uh, then I'd pay it and, and not even think twice about it, you know? Yeah. How, if how you don't, season? DirecTV stream is like $40 a month. And if you're like, I just want the Lakers, I don't want anything else. I don't need any of those other streaming options. This might be worth it. How long is the season? Because it's also, uh, it says in the show notes, $180 for the season. Is the season nine months long? The season long? is like 500 days in a year. I don't know how, but no. it Like they are literally off from May until September. Like uh, it's, the, the season is from October 2023, which just started to April 2024. There you go. Made us a demo. Nice. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. 500 days is 17 months. That's more than a year. Yeah, I, I think yeah, that's I the joke I was joking. Was making. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Amazon has so how, Thursday how, night what, football the, as an ex- I wanted to do the math. How many months is that, Bryce? Uh, 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 let's see. Let me do some basic math on air. Uh, October, November, December, January, All February, talking. March, April. Six months. Yeah. Six months. So $120 if you go monthly. $180 if you want to get the whole If you season. pay for the season, right? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Amazon has Thursday night football as an exclusive this season for the very first time and reported viewership rose 25% over last year when it was simulcast uh, along with broadcast and others. This helped boost Amazon's advertising revenue by 26%. Amazon plans to bring ads to Prime Video too, so expect that ad revenue number to keep rising. Tom, it's almost as though we're just going back to cable, just... Right. Why is this going back to cable? I don't understand. Well, just everybody consolidating, everything going back to just, don't you just want one bundle to get everything and you don't mind ads anymore? I mean, I'm not seeing that with this one myself. Uh, this yeah, one is just like, oh, Amazon, Amazon finally took it over instead of simulcasting and now it's making more money off it. Uh, 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 save it, save it. All right. Uh, Comcast saw its ad revenue fall 8% on the year, but Peacock raised subscribers 4 million to reach 28 million. Uh, Peacock revenue rose 64% on the year as well. And just for the record, Comcast cable pay TV business lost 490,000 subscribers to fall to 14.5 million. Crunchyroll is now available as a channel add-on for Amazon Prime Video at $7.99 a month, $9.99 a month mega fan tier lets you download shows for offline viewing. And we have a little more about Crunchyroll in our email, uh, which we call Chatter. You've got mail. All right, kick us off. Uh, Alan has a question. Allison has a question for the audience. Allison, what what is what is your question that you would like help with? Well, the last time I was on the show, I was talking about how excited I was that um, I'd figured out how to use the channels app 
to create a home DVR on my uh, network attached storage on my Synology in order to record TV from uh, YouTube TV in our case, but you could use it with uh, whatever, you know, whatever service you want. And it's been working great, except out of the blue, NBC, NBC changed something and it broke the connection through TV everywhere. So for the past year, we've had to use the YouTube TV interface for all of our NBC products, uh, you know, MSNBC, whatever NBC products we're watching. We hate the scrubber on the YouTube TV service with the passion of seven fiery sons. So is there a better service than YouTube TV for the scrubbing? Because we would give it up if we could have different scrubbing, but we're worried that it might just be, you're scrubbing something that's out on the internet and that delay, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, I'm trying to think if, if, if any scrubbing that I do on DirecTV Stream is worth the extra cost because it's quite a bit of an extra cost for DirecTV Stream. I mean, like you're trying uh, to scroll past a commercial and you can see the little preview mm -hmm, window and you mm -hmm. hit play and all of a sudden it just jumps it, back. Yeah, like no, same thing. Seconds. Same thing with DirecTV. Yeah, if anybody out there has a solution for this, cordkillers at gmail.com, we'll pass it along to Allison. Just, just make sure it doesn't involve the word piracy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, legal solution. <laughs> Not interesting. Thank you. Yeah. If there's a way around the NBC problem, that'd be even better to get it back into channels because channels is delightful. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's probably the 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 more likely is somebody's like, oh, I, I know a trick for that. So so send that to us as well. Uh also, uh Sean the Dad, we see you. Uh to summarize Sean the Dad's email, he got Fox and ESPN uh because he thought that was going to cover all the ways they broadcast the New York Giants. He's a New York Giants football fan living in Connecticut. And then they did some weird stuff where they started showing the Giants fan games on CBS, which they aren't supposed to do the way that the broadcast structures are scheduled. Uh, he says, there's not a technical barrier to stream the game that is geolocated to be a local game for this media market. Uh, yet I keep missing out on watching the Giants. Uh, Sean the Dead, uh, yes. It, someday blackouts will go away and this will all just be a painful memory. Uh, Andrew says in a recent episode, you talked about how Crunchyroll was launching a fast channel. Prior to last May, most of the content on Crunchyroll was available for free on its own website and with ads. Generally, most shows were available this week, but with new episodes delayed one week. So while I agree their move to fast is hopefully a good thing, it's a bit more of a return to their old model than a radical new shift. In my experience, their apps and ad experience left a lot to be desired, lag, slowness, repeated ads, etc. So maybe taking advantage of existing fast platforms will help with that. Thank you, Andrew, for sending that along. Uh, I have noticed, and, and this is, again, pure speculation on my part, but it's like uh, uh, the target audience for a lot of the Crunchyroll programming tends to be teenagers uh, like my kids. Uh, boy, oh boy, do, not, do I not really mind, as long as they're not pirating, how many ads they're watching so long as they're not bothering me asking for money at all times. So maybe uh, it's a smart move for them. And then for the Spoiler in Time rewatch, uh, we've been taking suggestions from folks uh, for what we should do when we're done with Miami Vice, which we will be in a couple of weeks here. Uh, and thank you to Pete, who uh, likes the idea of us doing a MASH rewatch and identified all the transition episodes for us where main characters arrived or left uh, and they changed the cast. Thank you for sending that, Pete. 
Yeah, I, I like all of these weird uh, divisions people have made. You know, we have done, you know, wh where the guest stars are. We've talked about doing the Bryce Slice, the beginning and end of entire episodes or, or, or shows. Um, uh, uh, this was a new one that I rather like, like transitionary moments where it's like, I, don't, I suspect that we're not going to feel what we're supposed to be feeling every time during one of Probably these. Probably not, yeah. But uh, yeah, but it's interesting nonetheless. Uh, Allison, uh, you are awesome. And it's always awesome having you on the show with us. Tell folks about the other amazing stuff you do. You can find everything good I do at podfeet.com. And uh, in there, you'll find my uh, flagship show, The No Silicast, which is a technology geek podcast with an ever so slight Apple bias that has been running for 18 and a half years. Fantastic. Haven't missed an episode. That's amazing. That's an incredible streak. Congratulations on that. That's awesome. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash night attack Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I reckon we'll talk to you next time. Oh, we're not done yet, Brian. What? We have more? Yeah, look. Look at all those those names scrolling by. Tom, we just did so many hours of insights into the yes. world of cord killing. But you know why we were able to do all those hours? It's these people right here. These are some of the greatest people of all time. Oh, better than Abraham Lincoln? I believe who, he's on this list. Better than Abraham Lincoln's ghost? Yes. Better than Richard Nixon? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, hard to conceive, but I am not a crook or a liar when I tell you they are. Why are all of these names either future or past presidents? It's really weird. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Presidents, everybody. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>